listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. And if you would like to discuss today's reading, I invite you to head over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and you'll be able to exchange your own thoughts and reflections on today's reading with me and others who are following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her holy example in life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 164. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 17, Paragraphs 565 to 572. Chapter 17 The Magi kings return once more to see and adore the infant Jesus. They offer their gifts on taking leave and return by a different route to their homes. 565 from the grotto of the Nativity, into which the three kings had entered directly on their way to Jerusalem, they betook themselves to a lodging inside that of the town of Bethlehem. They retired to a room, where, in an abundance of affectionate tears and aspirations, they spent the greater part of the night speaking of what they had seen, and of the feelings and affections aroused in each, and of what each had noticed for himself in the Divine Child and his mother. During this conference, they were more and more inflamed with divine love, amazed at the majesty and divine effulgence of the infant Jesus, at the prudence, modesty, and reserve of his mother, at the holiness of her spouse Joseph, and the poverty of all three, at the humbleness of the place where the Lord of heaven and earth wished to be born. The devout kings felt a divine fire which flamed up in their hearts, and not being able to restrain themselves, they broke out into exclamations of sweet affection and acts of great reverence and love. What is this that we feel, they said? What influence of this great king is it that moves us to such desires and affections? After this, how shall we converse with men? What can we do who have been instructed in such new, hidden, and supernatural mysteries? O greatness of his omnipotence, unknown to men and concealed beneath so much poverty! O humility, unimaginable for mortals! Would that all be drawn to it, in order that they may not be deprived of such happiness. 566. During these divine colloquies, the Magi remember the dire destitution of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph in their cave and they resolved immediately to send them some gifts in order to show their affection and to satisfy their desire of serving them. Since they could not do anything else for them, they sent, through their servants, 
many of the presents which they had already set aside for them, and others which they could procure. Most Holy Mary and Joseph received these gifts with humble acknowledgment, and they made a return not of empty-worded thanks as other men are apt to make, but many efficacious blessings for the spiritual consolation of the three kings. These gifts enabled our great queen to prepare for her ordinary guests, the poor and abundant repast, for the needy ones were accustomed to receive alms from her, and attracted still more by her sweet words, were wont to come and visit her. The kings went to rest, full of incomparable joy in the Lord, and in their sleep the angels advised them as to their journey homeward. 567. On the following day at dawn they returned to the cave of the Nativity, in order to offer to the heavenly king the special gifts which they had provided. Arriving, they prostrated themselves anew in profound humility, and opening their treasures, as Scripture relates, they offered him gold, incense, and myrrh. Matthew 2.11 They consulted the Heavenly Mother in regard to many mysteries and practices of faith, and concerning matters pertaining to their consciences and to the government of their countries. For they wished to return well instructed and capable of directing themselves to holiness and perfection in their daily life. The great lady heard them with exceeding pleasure, and she conferred interiorly with the divine infant concerning all that they had asked in order to answer and properly to instruct these sons of the new law. As a teacher and an instrument of divine wisdom, she answered all their questions, giving them such high precepts of sanctity that they could scarcely part from her on account of the sweetness and attraction of her words. However, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, reminding them of the necessity and of the will of the Lord that they should return to their country. No wonder that her words should so deeply affect these kings, for all her words were inspired by the Holy Spirit and full of infused signs regarding all that they had inquired and many other matters. 568. The Heavenly Mother received the gifts of the king and in their name offered them to the infant Jesus. His majesty showed, by signs of highest pleasure, that he accepted their gifts. They themselves became aware of the exalted and heavenly blessings with which he repaid them more than a hundredfold. Matthew 19.29 According to the custom of their country, they also offered to the heavenly princes some gems of great value. But because these gifts had no mysterious signification and referred not to Jesus, she returned them to the kings, reserving only the gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. In order to send them away more rejoiced, she gave them some of the clothes in which she had wrapped the infant God, for she neither had nor could have had any greater visible pledges of esteem with which to enrich them at their departure. The three kings received these relics with such reverence and esteem, and they encased them in gold and precious stones in order to keep them ever after. As a proof of their value, these relics spread about such a copious fragrance that they revealed their presence a league in circumference. However, only those who believed in the coming of God into the world were able to perceive it, while the incredulous perceived none of the fragrance emitted by the relics. In their own countries, the Magi performed great miracles with these relics. 569 the holy kings also offered their property and possession to the mother of the sweetest Jesus, or, if she did not wish to accept of them and preferred to live in this place where her most holy son had been born, 
they would build her a house wherein she could live more comfortably. The most prudent mother thanked them for their offers without accepting them. On taking leave of her, the three kings besought her from their inmost hearts not to forget them, which she promised and fulfilled in the same way they spoke to St. Joseph. With the blessing of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they departed, so moved by tenderest affection, that it seemed to them that they left their hearts all melted into sighs and tears in that place. They chose another way for their return journey in order not to meet Herod in Jerusalem, for thus they had been instructed by the angel on the preceding night. On their departure from Bethlehem, the same or a similar star appeared in order to guide them home, conducting them on their new route to take the place where they had first met, whence each one separated to reach his own country. 570. For the rest of their lives, these most fortunate kings lived up to their divine vocation as true disciples of the Mistress of Holiness, governing both their souls and the people of their states, according to her teaching. By the example of their lives and the knowledge of the Messiah which they spread about, they converted a great number of souls to the belief in the true God into the way of salvation. Finally, full of days and merits, they closed their careers in sanctity and justice, having been favored both in life and in death by the Mother of Mercy. After dismissing the kings, the Heavenly Queen and St. Joseph spent their time in new canticles of praise of the wonders of the Most High, conferring them with the sayings of the scriptures and the prophecies of the patriarchs, which they saw fulfilled one after another in the infant Jesus. But the most prudent mother, who profoundly penetrated into the deepest meaning of these high sacraments, remembered them all and treasured them up in her bosom. Luke 2.19 The holy angels, who were witnesses of these holy mysteries, congratulated their queen that the most holy son had been manifested, and that his majesty had been adored by men. And they sang to him new canticles, magnifying his mercies wrought upon mankind. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven gave me. 571. My daughter, great were the gifts which the kings offered to my most holy son, but greater still was the affection with which they offered them, and the mystery concealed beneath them. On account of all this, they were most acceptable to his majesty. I wish that thou also offer up similar gifts, thanking him for having made thee poor in condition and profession. For I assure thee, my dearest, there is no more acceptable gift to the Most High than voluntary poverty. There are very few in the world in our days who use well the temporal riches and offer them to their God and Lord with the generosity and love of these holy kings. The poor of the Lord, so numerous in our day, experience and give witness how cruel and avaricious human nature has become since in their great necessities they are so little succored by the rich. This gross uncharitableness of men offends the holy angels and grieves the Holy Ghost, since they are bound to witness the nobility of the souls so degraded and abased in the service of vile greed of gold with all its evil powers. Ecclesiastes 10.20 As if all things had been created for the individual use of the rich, they appropriate them to themselves and deprive the poor. Their brothers, springing from the same nature and flesh, and denying them even to God, who created and preserves all things, and who can give or take at will. It is most lamentable that while the rich might purchase eternal life with their possessions, 
they abuse them to draw upon themselves damnation as senseless and foolish creatures. Luke 16.9 5.72 This evil is common among the children of Adam, and therefore voluntary poverty is so excellent and safe a remedy. By it, making man willing to part joyfully with his possessions for the sake of the poor, a great sacrifice is offered to the Lord. Thou also canst make such an offering of the things necessary for sustenance, giving a part of it to the poor, and desiring, if it were possible, by thy labor and sweat, to help all of them. Thy ceaseless offer, however, must be love, which is the gold, continual prayer, which is the incense, and the patient acceptance of labors and true mortifications, which is the myrrh. All that thou dost for the Lord, thou should offer up to him with fervent affection and promptitude, without negligence or fear. For negligent works, and those not enlivened by love, are not an acceptable sacrifice in the eyes of his majesty. In order to make those incessant offerings, it is necessary that the divine faith and light continually inflame thy heart, having before thy eyes the great object of thy praise and exaltation, and the stimulus of love, by which thou art bound to the right hand of the Most High. Thus shouldst thou continue incessantly in the sweet exercise of love, so proper to the spouses of his majesty, for their name implies such a continual payment of the debt of love and affection. This concludes our reading today for day number 164. We have read from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 17, Paragraphs 565 to 572. We are quite familiar with the stories of the three wise men. We sing about them on Epiphany Sunday, or traditionally celebrated on January 6th. We know that they bring their gifts, as we heard today, of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We heard that, actually, in a previous day, but today they present their offerings, and we even hear that they wanted to give even more. But Our Lady only wanted the gifts which pertained to the person of Christ, to who he was as priest, prophet, and king. These three kings come, and they have an encounter with Jesus. And that encounter changes their lives. We even hear today the following. The devout kings felt a divine fire which flamed up in their hearts. And not being able to restrain themselves, they broke out into exclamations of sweet affection and acts of great reverence and love. What is this that we feel, they said? What influence of this great king is it that moves us to such desires and affections? After this, how shall we converse with men? What can we do? who have been instructed in such new, hidden, and supernatural mysteries. So it's the acknowledgement that when we come in contact with God, our lives are completely different. They are marked, they are changed, and that means that when we leave, we have to be a new person after this encounter with Christ. How am I to speak? What am I to do? These are the questions that they are asking because that's already the beginning of the grace of conversion in their life. With every Holy Communion that we offer, with every moment of adoration, with every time of prayer, there's always that question of, I am different now, and because of that, how will I live my life? The three kings, as we know from the stories of Scripture, also go home a different way. 
That's what the evangelist tells us, and that's what we hear today. Well, they go home a different way because they don't want to encounter the individual who wants to destroy this very person whom they have visited. They go home a different way knowing that their lives, again, have been completely changed, and they want to participate not in evil, but they only want to do good. And that's what we hear. They converted a great number of souls to the belief in the true God and to the way of salvation. That as they go home, we can only imagine that they tell anyone who will listen what they have witnessed and what they have seen. They want people to know that the Messiah promised of old has come to us. The Magi are really a great gift because they really model for us our own lives, our life of conversion, of knowing that we are different because of our experience of Christ, and our life of evangelization, of sharing the good news with others. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you. And Mary, pray for you.